Calls them like I see them, alright? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. Welcome to Brandon episode 311. No, we're not fingering anybody. It is your hosts, Troy, here with me, Jason. And I should say you should speak for yourself on that, Troy. No, that's true. That's true. Don't, uh, don't assume who I am or am not fingering at any given moment. It's usually yourself. That's right. Today, this week, it is the first episode that we gave up on you dumb fucks who never came and watched us on YouTube. We are not live, but most of you didn't watch us live or listen to us live anyways, so it doesn't fucking matter. <sighs> so, I full disclosure, you. we are recording this on Wednesday, so if any news breaks on Thursday, we won't be fucking talking about it. That's right, that's right. Let's talk about the Perfect Ten. The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! All right, our first topic... Speaking of things that are broken, the Miz uses Office and Dick to chuck a baby into Breeze. That's right. Because it's wrestling, and because these are wrestling personalities, they decided to announce their pregnancy via Monday Night Raw and via Miz TV segment. Uh, I, for one, actually in, enjoyed it. Um, there was a little bit of real emotion, and uh, then it was quickly replaced <laughs> as soon as the Miz started talking about, about wrestling again after it. Um, and then, of course, we had Enzo Amore come out. And The Miz has continued to maybe, you know, be a little bit more with, with his realism again, bringing up the fact that Enzo was kicked off a bus and the fact that nobody likes him. But great on Enzo to remind everyone that the same shit happened to The Miz. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about this segment? Well, okay, so there's two ways to look at this. First off, I congratulations to the Miz and Maurice, obviously. Um, but how do you do that announcement and then attempt to be the heel? Yeah. And the entire crowd is cheering for you and celebrating with you. You're playing it off as a face event, obviously. Mm-hmm. Enzo, the face, comes out and interrupts the moment. Yeah. Uh, and then proceeds to accuse your wife of being a whore and the child of not being yours, that's mm-hmm. your face right there. Yep. The other problem I had with it um, is that it got... A, look, I'm all for when they get, you know, break down the fourth wall, get inside the locker room, you know, play to the dirt sheets a little bit. Um, problem is, 
good, probably 70% of your fan base has no fucking idea what you're talking about when you talk about Enzo getting kicked out and having heat in the mm-hmm. back. And and that came into play later with, with Cena and Reigns, and we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, but it just seemed like they alienated a lot of their audience, uh, didn't give them a clear idea of who was the face, who was the heel. The whole thing just kind of struck me as really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. There's... Um... <sighs> Minor spoilers here for Game of Thrones. Um, I don't watch it, so it ain't going to spoil me. There's a moment in Game of Thrones this past season, about three or four episodes in, um, where a character that we haven't seen for a couple of years returned. And there's there was a, the last time we saw him, he was rowing a boat away from, from one of the big cities. So there was a joke on the internet that he's still rowing to this day. And so when his character shows back up again, they have another character say, I would have thought you were still rowing. And the Internet's going, ah, they they referenced a joke we make. But the rest of your audience is just like, well, that's an odd statement to make. That's what this felt like, where you're you're kind of nudging your fan base a little bit. But the problem is, is that the the Internet fan base for, for wrestling fans doesn't like that kind of stuff. It feels a little patronizing. It feels a little bit like, okay, yeah, you just kind of threw that in for us. We get it. Ha ha ha. We're, we're funny. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's been a history in television of, of things like that. People who work on shows kind of posting on message boards and taking ideas from there and kind of working them into the show as a subtle nod uh, to their most loyal of fans, those who go on the internet and talk about them and slander them anonymously uh, but it also has to when you're talking about character development this was essentially like if john if um bruce willis stops in the middle of being john mcclain and die hard and looks at hans gruber and goes by the way motherfucker i know you stole the fruit out of my fucking trailer and then goes right back to like it just doesn't make sense. You're you're a character in that moment. Mm-hmm. You're not Enzo. You're, well, I guess Enzo is Enzo, and that's sort of the problem. But you uh, you're not playing the character in that moment, and you're you're dipping in and out, and it affects the realism, and it makes it hard for the casual fan to follow. I followed it fine. You followed it fine. Probably anybody fucking listening to this podcast followed it fine. But from a business perspective and reaching those fans who don't follow you on the Internet, who don't read the dirt sheets, they were probably just fucking lost. Yeah, it's a it's a half step away from Seamus and Cesaro. Um, but Seamus and Cesaro, let, let's say that they were facing off against the New Day and Seamus is going on about how they're the bar and everything like that. And then they go, uh, but I was really happy that you you let me on your show up, up, down, down. Yeah, like that that it wasn't doesn't work right and yeah it, for us it was it was an entertaining moment but yeah like you said for the majority of your audience that are not dirt sheet readers or are not you know on reddit and things like that they're just going wait why why is the miz talking about enzo getting kicked off a tour bus like do they because obviously that tour bus must have all the faces in it right <laughs> it definitely could not have any of the bad guys driving with the good guys that right. would be weird and what's what's this weird picture of Kevin Owens with Enzo and and Big Cass when Enzo got knocked out? That's weird. It is, is he is he going there to assault them? Somebody should stop that guy because because Enzo's already hurt. You, you you can't let him hurt hurt that guy even more. Yeah, that 
that's like the old 80s stuff that used to happen where they had to seriously like keep bad guys away from good guys look i i don't mind it on people's social media on their private mm-hmm. accounts you know i i don't mind if fucking you know ben affleck posts a photo of him and his kid it doesn't you know he doesn't have to mm-hmm. be batman 24 7 in his private life but when you're playing batman in a batman movie fucking be batman you know right. Nobody it would wants be to see affleck at that point yeah it would be like rick grimes just suddenly talking with a british accent You'd be like, what? What's going on? Why is he talking with his normal accent? Exactly. No, he's, this, he's a character right now. Yeah, you can watch him on Talking Dead, and he'll have his accent, and that's fine because yeah. that's a different type of that's, interaction. That's a yeah, that's a non kayfabe show. Right. I can watch <laughs> Total Divas and see Lana without her accent and be okay with it because mm-hmm. I understand it's a different presentation. Not only that, there's not that much crossover audience on on Total Divas as WWE is. And speaking They're, of Lana, if you're interested, I would go search on the internet on to, for pictures from posted on Twitter today of Rusev milking a cow because you might see a Lana nip slip that she posted herself on Twitter. I have seen this woman's vagina and asshole on the internet, and you're getting excited <laughs> about a nip slip? I'm just saying. She literally, she literally has taken a ton of topless pictures in the past. Oh, sure. Did she take asshole pictures? I didn't know about that. I, I mean, it wasn't aside I from her wedding photos, but I wouldn't say like it wasn't like spread brown eye, but there was definitely a hint of it. Okay, yeah, no, I there just was, find this particularly was, charming because she posted it herself. Yeah, there was there was a whiff of it. <laughs> it's a fragrant aroma. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of fragrant aroma, aromas. Oh, oh hold on com- one second. Hold on one second. Uh, hold on. Do you just ruined a great segue? Well, you can get back to it. Nobody heard it. Uh, I only know it because it's on the list. But mm-hmm. uh, you did bring up an interesting point in, in vis-a-vis Enzo Amore, and it does seem to me that most of these issues with Enzo that we've heard about seem to have started after Kevin Owens got moved to SmackDown, <laughs> yeah. which sort of makes me wonder on the timeline if maybe Kevin Owens, we always thought it was kind of cast keeping Enzo in line. Maybe it was actually Owens that was kind of telling him, hey, dude, shut the fuck up. Uh, and you know, that would make sense because obviously Owens has years of experience on the indies and, and much more of an idea of how to conduct himself in a locker room. Mm-hmm. There, and I would say you could uh, look at Sami Zayn that same way. When the two of them were were sort of kept apart when you know Owens was still going down to NXT and 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 uh, you know or, or when when Sami was was up on the main roster and Owens was still on NXT, that's when we kind of started to hear about some of the Sami Zayn craziness. And then once Owens came back up, it was like, okay, well, now we're not really hearing about it as much. So I wouldn't be surprised that yeah, if, if Owens was the one kind of keeping these guys in line. And, and I would believe it. He seems like the kind of guy who's who's a, a, a consummate professional and is will have no problem pulling aside, aside a guy and be like, what are you fucking doing, dude? Right. So, you know, and that's kind of what the locker rooms have been missing is guys like that, you know, because we used to have, obviously, Undertaker was, was a big big time guy on pulling people aside and you know telling them knock the fucking shit off and you know cena's not there enough to do it you know when cena is there people are probably on on better behavior Mm -hmm. but when he's not yeah you know who else do you have really i mean now that he's he's even off of smackdown now but over on raw you know people were saying that oh it was it was the Shield that have kind of been doing it, but the Shield are pretty young, and I think that they have a hard time going up to a guy like Big Show and being able to tell him, 
hey, don't do that or do this kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, Big Show would be that guy. I think Mark Henry's still around a little bit. <laughs> Mark Henry's still alive somewhere. He'd be one of those guys. Gold Dust, I would think, would be one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But, you know, look at SmackDown. They don't have as much tenured, you know, staff on them. I mean, even even the older guys like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens have only been in WWE for a year or two. Yeah, but so, it's not really a WWE thing. It's more of yeah. a conducting yourself in a locker room kind of right. vibe. But, yeah, I, I, I would venture to guess that AJ is probably sort of the leader on SmackDown. That's just, you know, throwing stuff against the wall. But that mm-hmm. would seem to me to be the most obvious locker room guy. But it will probably be a very short period of time before we start seeing the rumors or the announcement of the future endeavoring of Enzo Amore. But more on that in the future. We're done talking about people who might be going because Troy. Go ahead. Let's talk about people who are coming. And I don't mean just me. Asuka was announced that she is coming on my face all over Raw. And we had kind of talked about this before on what show we wanted to see her on. Um, this is a tough one because I think she could do great on both shows, but I think when you look at Raw, there's not as much depth there because you've got, you've got the, the top people and then you've got, you know, Alicia Fox is still employed. <laughs> and obviously they do not see enough of Emma to really do anything with her. Dana Brooke is kind of forgotten there. And you look over at SmackDown, you know, they, they try to use a lot of people. I mean, Becky Lynch is not being used because they're using their, their shit talent. Uh, but yeah, it's personally, I think that it depends on what you're going to do with Asuka, because if you're going to have her, have her come up as a face, there's a, a lack of a big face over on SmackDown. Whereas on Raw, obviously you've got Sasha, who's the huge face. Um, Naomi has a pretty big face. That's only because she's, you know, got a huge head. Um, I don't know. It's 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 one of those situations where okay, we know Asuka's coming to the main roster now, so who who's getting their spot taken away? Because okay. there there's there's not going to be enough room for women. Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen when Asuka comes up to the main roster, okay? They're going to get an erection. They're going to they're tout Asuka's undefeated streak in NXT, that this woman hasn't lost a match since she signed with the, with the company, 500-whatever days as champion, and in the first pay-per-view, probably a shitbag No Mercy pay-per-view or something like that, uh, she will lose inexplicably to Emma. Mm-hmm. Um that's pretty much what will happen because yeah. that's the formula we've seen. Anybody, any woman that's come up from NXT that's been super over or that's had nuclear heat, they've completely wasted it. Uh, see Sasha. I mean, for those of you who don't remember, entire fucking arenas were chanting, we want Sasha when she came up. And their response was, let's keep her off TV and make them want her more. Mm-hmm. Well, fucking geniuses, people got sick of it. This woman is now getting fucking booed. And, oh, by the way, she's not trying to be a heel. No, no, they're booing her because they fucking are are over her because you didn't do anything with her. You presented her as a joke, as somebody who couldn't win the big match, and that's how they perceive her now. So Mm -hmm. you could fix it with a little bit of work, but you're not willing to put that work in, and so fuck it. She's just screwed. Um, 
And we saw it with Bailey. Bailey, again, great character down in NXT. Required just a little bit of careful handling, maybe a little bit of vignettes, maybe a little bit of work with creative. Um, but she could have been a John Cena type face on the WWE roster in terms of selling merch, being that gateway to bringing little girls into being fans of the product. And instead, they took what could have been her crowning moment, defeating Charlotte for the title at WrestleMania, ending Charlotte's pay-per-view streak, and moved it up to a shitty pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and then just had her drop the title for no fucking reason in her hometown. Everything they've done with every NXT woman that's come up lately has been fucking wrong. Nia Jax is getting a push when this woman can't even execute a fucking backbreaker without injuring somebody. Emma is getting characters pulled away from her and changed on the fly. Um, Dana Brooke isn't being used. And no, Dana's not great, but you called her up, so fucking use her. Because she's not going to get any better sitting in the back in the makeup chair. Right. Um, send them down or use them. But don't fucking bring these girls up to sit there and do nothing. Because you know what? Then when, they're not, then when you need them, they're not going to be fucking ready. We have a, um, you know, a serious issue with, with the women on both rosters because Alexa is the most over woman and she's supposed to be a heel. And Alexa really has succeeded despite her booking and despite what, you know, the, what the character that they tried to kind of fit her into. She, she carved her own way out. That, that's how good of a talent she is. But I can see them instantly ruin her in a job of a hat. Yes, you said you said it yourself. Look at look at Naya. You know, Naya, yes, is is you know, she's she's a bigger gal. Um, which I'm I'm all for. You know, I'm I'm for us having, you know, different looking women and stuff like that. She's been booked as a monster, but then she's also been booked to tap out when she should be a monster. Um and then, you know, you look over on SmackDown and you have the fucking kitty cat fart face as your champion. You've got Naomi, who was over because of, of her dance in the beginning. And then, you know, Carmella is your money in the bank holder, while Charlotte is relegated to B-Squad, and Becky Lynch can't even get booked on the show. Okay. And so, yeah, you look at, at a girl like Asuka, who, because English isn't her first language, has some issues cutting promos, obviously, because, you know, she has a very thick accent to her. And she's not very fluid in English. So instantly you're taking that away from her, where she's not going to be able to talk as much. So you're thinking, okay, well, they'll, they'll just Shinsuke her. Well, the shine has kind of worn off of Shinsuke on SmackDown as well. And that was a booking thing, too, because they had a chance. Put the title on Shinsuke, and let's see what he can do with it. But nope, he loses. Well, they're still and, in the midst of that, so let's see what they do at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, but again, of salvaging that. Yeah. But again, you've got Asuka who, you know, is uh is an attractive woman, but she's not gorgeous. Um she's got a good body, but you know, doesn't have a six pack abs or anything like that. And so yeah, it does worry me a little bit on what they're gonna do with her. Um because again, you know, it it the way the way they use her on NXT works, although recently I've been a little eh, with her whole. They tried to do that stupid interview thing where she kept going and next the question, and it just that that was just terrible. Uh, I see, didn't I mind that, but the problem with that was that was supposed to be a precursor to a heel turn that they never fucking actually yeah. did. Right. Instead, it just seemed like maybe she was cranky that day. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm 
I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, uh, speaking of women on their periods, Natalia made a black woman. Yeah, uh, thing to say there, but that's okay. Go ahead. Because <laughs> we're because we're done talking about. It. All right. So Natalia, a white woman, made a black woman beg to be released. Why do we have to go there? Come on. <laughs> we're better than that. We're not we're great, not. but we're better than that. No, no, we're not. I'm better than that. Yeah. So that that was something that happened. Less said about that is better. Uh, but Carmela and James Ellsworth are apparently at least finger banging. They're uh, they're uh, approaching some sort of a dominatrix angle now with Carmela. Uh, we started to see that last week where she grabs him vigorously, you know, makes out with, makes out with his face, and then proceeds to follow that up by slapping him in the face. And now this week she's dragging him around by a dog collar. So apparently, in the last week or so, she discovered S and M and really got into it. I'm sorry, I was just picturing uh, Big Cass trying to cover the safe word. Uh, <laughs> My safe word is Enzo. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, I feel no. I feel problem like, is every time I he yells like it, words. Enzo pops his head and goes, "How you doing?" Are you done? <laughs> Come on, Enzo, knock it off. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this topic, really. Uh, right. So I was just trying to get out of the way. I was trying to lump all the women into one here. Uh, <laughs> well, so it's, it just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, look, I, I appreciate the fact that they did a clean finish in that match because it sort of closes the book on Natalia and Naomi, which is not something they always do is give you closure on an angle. Um they kept the money in the bank briefcase involved. I just, I don't understand why we need to go all of a sudden to the Carmel as a dominatrix. She doesn't fit that gimmick at all. Like if anything, I could make a case for Natalia being the dominatrix of the group, you know, black leather, leather head to toe, you know, she fits that gimmick way better than Carmela does. Mm. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to think of Natalia getting a penis in her. So she, she black black leather pants, ordering TJ around, farting in his face. There's, there's nothing very very dominatrix like features on, on this woman. Well, I mean, that's probably more along the fact that you know TJ can't get a boner around a woman than anything, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. Now, was that me insinuating he's gay, or is that me insinuating that he's a paraplegic? The world will never know. He's back to work, and he's actually an agent backstage. Yeah, so, so is Draws. All right. Wow. So. <laughs> TJ is actually walking around just fine, Troy. Thank you very much. Mm, I don't know. I think you're wrong. Nope, nope. I've, right. I've seen him. He's good. Okay. Are you sure it wasn't special effects? <laughs> they can't no. even do fucking pyro anymore. They're going to make special yeah. effects like that. <laughs> I, if if they were, it would be like you. They would have like Big Show with like uh, flour all over him in front of a white white screen and just holding him up. See, we didn't. He's not. He wasn't paralyzed by one of our workers. Hi. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the first time that Vince McMahon discovers the new and emoji feature on the iPhone, where you can make the emojis talk and follow your face motions. Because I guarantee you some promo is going to be cut by the giant piece of poop oh you sure not it's definitely going to happen it's fait accompli 
You know what else is going to happen? What's that, Troy? You're going to pick the next topic. I'm going to pick the next topic. Well, then, let's go to what I thought was the best thing of the week and probably the best thing going in the WWE right now, and that is Kevin Owens versus the McMahons on SmackDown. Um, this week, we had, uh, well, last week, we had the all-out assault on Shane McMahon by Kevin Owens uh, that led to Shane's indefinite suspension uh, and the announcement that this week uh, the patriarch of the McMahon clan, Vince, would be in the house uh, and he was, in fact, there, and he wasn't there to acquiesce to Kevin Owens. He was there to tell Kevin Owens to fuck off and to make the match with Shane for Hell in a Cell, put it inside the cell, and then Kevin Owens proceeded to make him promise that he wouldn't fire him no matter how badly he beat a McMahon in the ring. Vince promised, and Kevin Owens beat the ever-loving shit out of Vince McMahon. I thought this segment was amazing. I thought everything was... Kevin Owens was absolutely pitch perfect in everything he did on this week's episode. From the opening segment, where they did the tease with Dolph Ziggler, who did a very good Shane McMahon impression. Let me just say that. Um, all the way through the promo, the backstage stuff, the the interaction with Sami Zayn. Um, I don't know if you caught that part. There was a backstage segment where Kevin Owens basically said, listen, remember when we were back in all those you know, uh, VFW halls and we were saying, you know, just anything we could do one day we would get to the WWE so we didn't have to do this anymore. Well, you can go back and work there after I fire you or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, given that Sammy was once again left off the show, I wonder if he might be better off going back to those bingo halls, but, uh, (laughs) who knows? But yeah, I thought Owens was on point. I thought everything was great. I went into this feud very skeptical, not thinking I would like it. I think this has been the best booked thing in the company right now. Uh, I would agree. And so here's here's where I need to divert into two different Troys. Because wrestling fan Troy thought this was great. Thought it was awesome. Uh, Yeah, like you said, Owens was great. Um, him, him super kicking McMahon was great. Uh, Vince's inability to take a bump was hilarious. Um, and then there's, then there's, uh, outside looking in Troy who says the man who is currently facing a concussion lawsuit allowed another guy to hard weigh him with a headbutt. Yeah, so, the headbutt was obviously an idiotic spot to put in there, but yeah. So that was that was my only issue was when I saw that I was like, okay, I get it. It's but he's McMahon. never lost a lawsuit in his life. <laughs> That's because he threw money at everything. Although um, it's weird that we're watching him cut that promo about having never lost a lawsuit on WWE SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Instead of <laughs> WWF SmackDown. I, I just thought of that as you were saying it. Yes, that is true. Uh, he has lost lawsuits. Um, in so much as he has had to make settlements. So he may not, that may not go down as an official loss because it goes as, I guess, a tie. But yeah, he definitely has had to make some settlements in the past. Now, um, I, uh, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it for what it was, but there was that aspect of it where it's just like, okay, you can't, you can't do this anymore. You know, you can't sit there and tell your, your workers, look, you can't hardware yourself. You can't, you can't blade. You can't, you know, you can't, can't show blood at all. 
don't you know try try to be safe against your you know on, on your heads on concussions and then walk you, out there and be like hey, Kevin uh, fucking hit me. <laughs> you, you can't you know? have physicality against women unless it's Stephanie McMahon two years yeah. in a row at WrestleMania. The rules which, go out the window for the McMahons. I think we've established that at this point. Which, by the way, uh, that was the worst part of this segment. Stephanie showing up at the end. Yeah, her return. There it is. That's the first time we see her on TV since WrestleMania. So not not only does she just magically return, she returns on Shane's show. Mm-hmm. And she returns... On, uh, you know, essentially to be mad at a guy that was their champion for a while on Raw. On top of that, the last time we saw her and Vince interact, she was very upset at Vince because Vince allowed Shane to have SmackDown. And then all of a sudden she just comes out and like is attending to to Vince like she's a face because I get it. She never knows what she fucking is if she's a healer face, but. This wasn't like Triple H showing up on NXT. This was Stephanie showing up on, on SmackDown for no fucking reason. I will say this. I heard this great idea, and I forget whether it was on uh, message board or if it was on a, a podcast or whatever. So, uh, But somebody had suggested the notion that the ultimate storyline here is going to be that it was Triple H pulling the strings on Owens, getting him to take out the McMahon family one by one in order to gain control of the company. If that's the ultimate, if that is the end game, if that's where they go, and that's way too creative to give them credit for, Mm -hmm. so I don't think it'll happen, but if that's the end game, that's just fucking brilliant, and I will be up a a standing ovation if that's where they go with this. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, But uh, uh, to close close out my, my, my section of this, how how excited are we for Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in Hell in a Cell? Incredibly now. And I, this, I was, and this to me is 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 and, and this was almost the clear mirror image uh, of what Raw was because you have two guys who have built an incredibly compelling, visceral feud that you want to see that you want to see one guy rip the other one to shreds. You have a clear good guy, a clear bad guy. They didn't break down any fourth walls. They didn't open up the locker room. They did it old school wrestling style to build a program slowly over a few weeks, couple months actually. And now we're here at the crescendo of the storyline and we have a, a, a match and a story that fits inside a hell of a cell. It's not a square mm-hmm. peg in a round hole. This has been put together brilliantly and this is exactly what is not happening on the other brand. Yeah. This is this is the old build before we had a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. This is where it used to be that it was just two guys that hated each other, that would beat the shit out of each other, would keep costing each other matches or, or doing different things, and eventually it would be like, we're going to settle this in the most fucking carnage-inducing way we can with a Hell in a Cell. So, yeah, this build hasn't felt like your typical Hell in a Cell pay-per-view build that we've been having where all of a sudden it's... Uh, uh, I'll see you in Hell in a Cell, John Cena, because I'm Randy Orton, but we're not going to hit the cell at all. Yeah. Or, hey, John Cena, go to hell. Yeah. Well, how about we go to hell together? You know, that kind of deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. This this was, I mean, having having Vince be the one to be like, I'm going to lock in Hell in a Cell. Uh, was great because yeah, then you didn't have to have one of the two of them try to work on those dumb fucking lines. You just have you know 
Vince be like, this is the match. I just came up with a great idea. Are you going to reference his theme song? No. You do that Triple H angle that we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. and you make it that Triple H has gotten control of the lockbox that Shane had a couple years ago that we never (laughs) saw a payoff for. Yeah. Closing all the circles here on the rundown. Mm -hmm. Exactly what they should do. (sighs) Boy. Well, speaking of uh, breaking kayfabe a little bit, uh, let's talk about the night that Roman Reigns and John Cena had. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So first, uh, Reigns took on my black son. That was the good. That I was like the that good. Uh, it was it was a good match. It felt a lot like Jordan Cena did last week, where they were they were putting over Jordan without actually giving him the W. Right. Um, and I particularly Cena, love that they tied in the whole Cena and Angle bit with the ruthless aggression and Cena debut, mm-hmm. uh, and equated it with the Angle Son tie-in. Obviously, I thought I thought it worked really well uh, the last couple of weeks how they've done that with Reigns and Cena and mm-hmm. Jordan. Oh, and then uh, uh, John Cena took on Braun Strowman. That was the ugly. Yep, that wasn't great. Um, Strowman needs certain people to <laughs> to mesh well with. And Cena's not one of them, apparently. That well, I, my issue with this is the match wasn't great, but the match wasn't designed to be great. Right. Um. I, you know, I talk all the time about them giving it away on free TV, and like I said, I understand that cable packages cost money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about no builds, no pay per view, no nothing. Just hey, here's a random, here's this match you've never seen that would sell out pay per views and. Uh, but we're just going to throw it on here because we got nothing else to do. That's what this was. Um, but the issue was it was clearly done in such a way like, hey, we might want to come back to this, so don't give them everything. Give them a little bit of stuff. Go easy. Pull off the throttle and have it be a DQ. And they did. Mm-hmm. That power slam onto the stairs, fucking brutal. That was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, there, I mean, Strowman's dropkick. I mean, there, was a, there was some stuff in there, uh, but it wasn't. You know what we we've come to expect from a Cena match lately, but it right. did tie in nicely to Reigns promo. Yeah, so <laughs> we got um, so so this all led to another Cena Reigns promo, and I listened to this I, I, again. It was ninety percent Cena ripping on Reigns, and Reigns trying to get in a couple little one-liners in there, and it just not really working. Uh, mostly because a lot of Rain says is just his normal. It's just the same thing over and over again. Most he of just kind of said just wasn't fucking true. Yeah, like that's the biggest problem. Nobody who understands what you're talking about uh, when you say ticket sales are great without you. Yeah. Well, I- I'm looking at he's there, and I'm looking at photos of a fucking empty arena on, on yeah. Twitter. So no, no, they're not. Oh, numbers are great without you. No, no, they're not. Profits are no. down. You can't even afford fucking pyro anymore. Um, not only that, I mean, there's there's evidence to back it up that Cena pops ratings. Sure. So, <laughs> and, and you're only uh, here because you can't make it in Hollywood. Well, the dude's in a fucking Transformers movie with a lead role. He's been in Amy Schumer's movie, Tina Fey. But like, this dude's pretty clearly he's hosted the Kids' Choice Award. Like, this dude's pretty clearly set his flag in Hollywood pretty well at this point. That was that was what I thought was kind of funny too. You could say that about the Miz. Yeah, absolutely. That works for the Miz. <laughs> yeah, you could say that about Triple H. Sure. You can't say that about John Cena when he is going to star in a a multi million dollar franchise. Right. 
And he's also been, like you said, host of a couple different things. He's been on, on TV hosting SNL, hosting that fucking Vapid Cunts show, hosting the Espies, you know. Uh, he also, like you said, you know, was, was in Trainwreck. Uh, he's been, he's been in a lot more movies. And guess what? He hosts his own fucking game show. <laughs> like, he clearly has made it in Hollywood. And, this this Transformers movie is probably going to put him over the top. Right. And, and if, it's, it's, if that statement were true, Roman's line of, if you need some help, I know a guy, was fucking great. That line was brilliant yeah. um, because we all know who he's talking about. Yeah. But the fact that it was there was no realism to it, and that was breaking down the fourth wall or an attempt at breaking down the fourth wall, <laughs> which, again, like – do the fucking does the average raw viewer does the person who you know paid seventy bucks to take their kids and get to do they give a fuck what the ratings are or what Roman Reigns does for the ratings or if John Cena makes it in Hall they don't give a fuck about this this right. is not how you build a program for the casual fan yeah I thought so, the last couple of weeks were great because they were taking shots at each other's characters that's mm-hmm. fine that's what we want the character assassination of Roman Reigns and John Cena. Not Joe N.Y. and, well, John Cena. But, um, that was, that was to me the biggest fucking problem was that they took all the great stuff from the last two weeks and sort of shit all over it by reversing it and doing it in a different way that wasn't nearly as good. Yeah. So, now we're going to get to, okay, so yeah, so Reigns' shit was shit. Um, but we've been kind of used to that. Cena's stuff was largely factual. Um, and, and largely pretty biting. But there was one thing I had an issue with, and I'm not sure if you're going to have the same issue, and that was the last line of this promo. And that was Cena saying to a guy who we're, we're trying to get over as, as a kind of a face, who we are trying to get kids to like, who we know had a wellness violation because he is, uh, his prescription wasn't, his prescription paperwork wasn't, wasn't turned in on time. And Cena says, like a drug test, you won't get past me. Insinuating that Rones, that Reigns failed a drug test, which is not true. Well, yeah, he did. He was suspended for it. He he had a wellness violation because of the fact that his paperwork wasn't turned in. Which counts as a failure of a test. That's how it, they count it. it that, that may be how it, how they count it, but now every every one of your fans who who don't know the story of that are like, is is Cena insinuating that Rones failed failed a drug test? And those fans are going to think drugs. That Roman Reigns is on drugs. See, here was sort of my problem with that, too, is because while I enjoyed the line and I thought it was kind of biting, part of me wonders, and maybe maybe I'm being a mark here and I'll fully own it if I am, part of me wonders when you get into this thing where guys are no longer sh- shooting at the character and they're sort of shooting at the guy, mm-hmm. if maybe that that urge to one-up them goes and t- makes them take things a little too far. I don't know if that line was scripted, but I sort of got the impression it wasn't. Just kind of the way Cena threw it off as he walked away, like it just came and popped into his head. Roman's reaction, which was sort of like, oh, you fucking asshole. Like, you're just a dick. Uh, So I don't know if that was a case of those two guys, 
you know, going out there and not taking shots at their characters, taking shots at the people, them getting sort of heated about it, and, and Cena kind of capping it off with the, okay, now I'm going to do this, and you can't fucking respond. Um, yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be, you know, like I said, completely being worked here, uh, and probably am, which, you know, maybe a sign that it's a good thing. But I thought that was definitely unnecessary. And we talked about the, the breaking down of the fourth wall. There was, again, just another unnecessary moment that doesn't build it doesn't make the fact that oh you said roman can't pass a drug test well that makes me want to see this match more except not at all the fact that fucking kevin owens beat the shit out of shane's dad makes mm -hmm. me want to see kevin owens and shane mcmahon the fact that john cena said you can't pass a drug test doesn't make me want to see that match a fucking fraction more than i did i still wanted to see it i've always wanted to see this match i think it's going to be a great fucking match Mm -hmm. but and then you put things in Roman's mouth like, oh, I've had more more great matches in two years than you've had in your career. Well, motherfucker, look, I'm the first one to sit here and say Roman Reigns doesn't get the credit for his in-ring that he deserves. I've said that. You you can attest that. I've said that from the moment mm-hmm. I stepped on this show. But did, did you watch Cena and Styles? That series yeah. of matches? Did you see the U.S. Open challenges? The series of matches with Kevin Owens? There's like Cena's in-ring has been as good as anybody's over the last few years. Yeah, and if if Reigns was a a cut and dry heel, you could ter- you could throw it off as well. That's a typical heel thing to do is say things that aren't real, but say them as if they they believe it. Right. But that's not what his character is. Mm-hmm. We're we're led to believe that everything that he's that is coming out of his mouth is not only true, but it's something he believes to be true. Now, right. there's you know. <sighs> There's a different way to go about it than than to him just being like I've had bad more better matches. Than you. Well, Cena has had like 13 years of matches, and he's had great matches each of those 13 years. Right. So that that's that's just not the right way to way to do this. And yeah, like you said, this this build has not this build doesn't need much build, you know. And and with them continuing to going out and you know, cutting each other's dicks off with, with these little kind of snarky comments, it's not it's not improving the storyline at all. No. Because all they're doing is talking. Right. <laughs> you know, and this these are two guys Reigns has, has they've they've booked him great the past couple of couple of months where he wasn't talking and he was just taking people out left and right. I mean, him him and Strowman just beat the ever loving piss out of each other. Oh, he made Braun Strowman in that field. Yeah. Yeah, and here here we have John Cena and Reigns, and they're just fucking jabbering at each other. And you're like, just fucking e- either either hit each other or kiss each other, because I'm bored. Oh, I don't want so them to hit go. each other. I don't want the physicality to start at all till the match. That, I, I want them to hold off on that, and I'm glad they're holding off on that. Um, but there's got to be more creative ways to do this than, than sit there and try to get really inside and really buzz that crowd because as much as i'm a member of that crowd we're not the ones buying tickets and pay-per-views motherfuckers right and one of the things that you can do is what's one thing that cena cares about winning matches so why wouldn't you have roman reigns go out there and fucking just spear cena's opponent and make that person win by dq and then cena loses yeah. That's a great way to do it too, because then you just have Reigns walk away smirking and be like, "Aha, fucker! I yeah. fucked up your match." Yeah, you could do you know, yeah. there's there's a lot of different ways to do it, and if you are going to just do promo battles, it, you know, you have to eventually let Reigns win something because 
he has looked like a like a chump both these both times that Cena has verbally <laughs> verbally tore him down. And his little yeah, like you said, his little like one liners that he throws in there are just false. And he could easily turn around and I, I liked the first time we did this where Reigns was talking about, you know, I'm I'm in your place now. You know, you're old, get out of get you know, nobody wants you here anymore. That's fine. Say that. Because that's at least factual for a lot of fans. Yeah, exactly. A lot of fans are, are bored of John Cena. Now, those same fans probably don't like Roman Reigns very much. Right. But it, but at least that's a factual statement to make. Like, look, you're old news. I'm yeah. I'm the I'm the hot new commodity. Instead of just being like, I've had so many good fucking matches. Look, motherfucker. Both of you have had people chant you can't wrestle at you and those people are wrong about both people but only one of you has had people chant that very recently <laughs> so yeah I, and yeah like you said the i don't know we'll we'll see what happens obviously you know this is still going to be a, a really good match um you know despite the booking leading up to it and, and we can still turn this around we've got time we've got a couple of weeks before oh yeah whatever the fuck it is but is it it's no, no mercy. mercy, right? Yeah. No, no, we don't. No mercy's next week, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, next week's to go home. Oh yeah. So okay, so we got one more week to turn this around, and I don't see it happening. <laughs> because because the thing I think is going to happen is next week take team match play. <laughs> but speaking Probably. of take team matches, versus Jason Jordan and some other short white guy. <laughs> Wait, didn't he just have a short white partner? Ah, that doesn't matter. Hmm. All right. So speaking of, uh, you know, Vince McMahon not caring about tag teams, feeding into our conversation about the about their plans for the New Day, the New Day won the titles again. Yep. Because reasons. <laughs> um, first off, preface uh, once again, great match. These two teams have tremendous chemistry together. Um, you can say that they're responsible for now two of the best matches we've had in the last calendar year on SmackDown. Um, that said, I don't know where you go from here unless it's, you know, a Hell in a Cell tag match. Maybe. I don't think we've ever really seen that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've seen, I think we've seen handicap matches, right? With Vince versus, or Vince and Shane and Show versus DX or something. But I don't think we've ever seen a straight tag team title match in Hell in a Cell. But, um, short of that, I don't know where you go. Like, the, the, who's, if you don't go to Hell in a Cell, I think this sort of has to be over. You've done two matches. You've done the stipulation match. You've done two title changes. Um, problem is, you've now put the belts back on the New Day, and there's not a single credible heel tag team besides the Usos on SmackDown for them to feud with. There's not another heel tag team on SmackDown. It's true. Because the Ascension are a joke. Right. They get laughs now. Love, I said credible, but yeah. Yeah, but but <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't really consider them a heel tag team True. right now. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, you've got Brizango who are over his faces, so it would have made more sense for them to, you know, take the titles off the Usos with Brizango. Which, by the way, um, I will rarely advocate for 205 Live, but if you get a chance, go check out 205 Live this week just for the Drew <laughs> Gulak Brizango segment because it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's that's the smarter way of booking two of five live is having things like that. Yep. You know, um, I mean, Enzo, he's he's doing fine, you know, being on both shows. He's he's getting more eyes, I'm sure, on it. But um, that that show is still in trouble. But that's not part of our perfect 10 here. 
so yeah, like uh, there's, I mean, unless we have somebody turn heel, but who you can't maybe nobody, the nobody's, But does anyone really care? Well, you make them care. A lot of people didn't care about the Usos till the heel turn either. Right. This, if you do a heel turn right, you can make people care. Right. Obviously, I think that you know eventually AOP, but they haven't even debuted, and we you do not want to debut them against the New Day. Well, because... they basically dropped the whole Fashion Files thing that looked like it might have been leading to AOP, mm-hmm. who were not at the last set of NXT taping, so they're almost right. certain to be moving up. Yeah, but now we just got to figure out where to work them in, and like I said, you do not want to have them go against the New Day right off the bat. Because you need to have you need to have a team put him over, which is why Brizongo would have been good for it, or you know turn around and have the Hypros do it. But yeah, I mean, otherwise. Now, and to, to, I don't believe if I'm correct, and you can check this for me and verify, but mm-hmm. I don't think either member of Brizongo would qualify for 205 Live. <gasps> You well, know. let me go ahead and check. <laughs> you owe me for that tremendous setup. <laughs> but yeah, ladies I, and gentlemen, it's time for how much does this guy weigh? <laughs> <laughs> All you, right, you can't intro the segment until you got the answers in front of you, man. Tyler Breeze is a whopping two hundred and twelve pounds. Not qualified for two hundred five live. Not qualified. I almost put in Johnny Curtis. That's going to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't pay no attention to that. Uh, Johnny Curtis is 244 pounds. So definitely not qualifying for 205 Live. Definitely not qualifying. Uh, so that just leaves Mojo Raleigh, <laughs> <laughs> who is, of course, 265 pounds. So, sorry. Pay no attention to the baby crying. I'm hoping it will go away. <laughs> Hoping it'll it'll resolve itself, but I'm thinking it's probably not going to. So that might be an issue. Speaking of things that we're hoping will go away, Sasha and Emma had a uh, match on Raw this week that I actually thought the match itself was not bad and sort of showed you what Emma can do in a decent program with somebody who's got some talent in the ring with her. Um, of course, that led to a segment later on. Nia came out, Alexa came out, they did commentary. Uh, and then, of course, next thing you know, later on, we get a backstage segment where this match you've been sort of quietly building towards Alexa and Nia, dropping hints for a while, nice slow build to this. Yeah, we're going to do that next week on Raw. You know, again, no real hype, just kind of a throwaway to lead into the Fatal 4-Way at the pay-per-view. Nothing significant, nothing major, it's just we're going to do this match because... Um, and that's just the continuation of what they've been doing lately. There's no build. There's no. There's there's actually been build for this. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. They have had build for this. Pay no attention to that. <laughs> that is the first guest cameo on the rundown of Troy's new baby. Uh, yeah, but there's been no build for this. This there's been a build for this match, but you would think they built it in such a way that it was going to be a big match at the pay-per-view, except now we get Alexa and Nia non-title next week as, again, just a throwaway leading into the pay-per-view. And it just kind of seems like a waste of what you've built. Yeah, it definitely is a waste, and especially because you don't have a lot of new uh, new matches for the women. 
And this was one where, you know, they have, these two have been kept apart and we've built it as, you know, Naya is coming for her championship. So, you know, this, this one for sure, I'm questioning why the fuck we're doing it. Unless they wind up being smart and just have Alexa get counted out before even getting into the match. But otherwise, I mean, if you're going to actually have these two fight, it is, it's, it's a waste. Yeah, and my guess is some some sort of combination of, you know, Sasha and Emma running out and getting involved and, in, you know, that big four-way schmoz kind of fight that leads into a fatal four-way to pay-per-view. But it just seems like, again, keep it special when you for when you actually do it. I, I, yeah. I don't get the point. I really don't. Um, speaking of things that I'm not quite sure I get the point of, as much as I'm a fan of this guy, Ty Dillinger, U.S. title match with AJ Styles on SmackDown this week. Um, the match was good, and as you would expect it to be with these two, because they're both amazingly talented promo, uh, performers. But, again, you get Baron Corbin comes running in to do something. Um, it's just, uh, I, I don't get the point of doing this to me maybe you made dillinger a little more credible sure i'll give you that um he came out of it looking good uh you had the one real false finish that looked close to to being an actual victory for ty i don't think anybody bought at any point in that match that dillinger was really going to win the title and to me that's where a title match like that sort of fails you have to have at least a moment where you go oh my god oh no okay um I don't think this one ever really had that, but just that's not a fault of anybody in the match. It's more of a fault of the fact that I don't think anybody bought that they put the title on Ty, given how they've used him. Right, and we have the same kind of issue with with Cena's Open Challenge, where we're like, well, we know he's not he's not going to lose, but at least it's going to be a great match. And right. this felt the same way, where it was okay. Well, we know Styles is not going to just randomly lose the title, although I'm not. I guess he's facing Baron Corbin at the at the pay per view. Yeah. Um, well, I so, haven't officially announced it yet, but that's certainly right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it looks like it's, he's going to face him. So, you know, clearly we can't have him, you know, take the title out, or we can't take the title off of him. I'm hoping that you know this is the way that we give Baron Corbin the U.S. Championship and AJ can you know go start going for the for the World Championship again. Um, because at this point, I mean. You know, he doesn't need it as much. And there's there's a lot of other guys that this would really help out, like Ty Dillinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but... Well, even Rusev, yeah. and as much as, you know, we don't want to see Rusev go backwards, I think even a U.S. title program or run at this point would be good for him, given what he's actually doing. Yeah, it would be something, at least. Right. Uh, instead, he's now back to saying, I'm going to get Randy Orton. Yeah, so mm-hmm. whatever. Because everyone cares about that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens there. Um, although it's it's an interesting point. Like you watched SmackDown this week, you had your World Heavyweight Champion heel on there. Mm-hmm. Yet the biggest heel on the fucking show is Kevin Owens, who's yep. not the champion, who's not in a championship program, who hasn't been in a top championship program since coming to SmackDown. Yet he's your best heel performer right now. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, it's not close. And you and it's easy to put the Usos above gender as well. Sure. In absolutely. terms of heel performers, because fans are actually reacting to the Usos. And you know, we we've I think both of us were at least hoping that things would get better for gender. Yeah. Um I will say they, he got a Maharaja chant 
uh, yeah. this week. So there was a little bit of a, a fan reaction. But again, he's a heel. Yeah. <laughs> Fans are cheering for him. Right. And I think part of that is, you know, the the fact that it's it's kind of dying out. You know, we were having it for a little bit when he was doing like the celebrations and stuff like that. And now we're kind of just like, all right, well, what what else you got, dude? Well, and I think so. the other thing is Jin, poor Jin is being put in a really bad spot where he has to sort of learn on the fly how to be a top guy. Right. He's got no yeah, experience he's, being a top guy, but they put the heavyweight championship on him, and now he's got to learn kind of like like just with the red light on, and that's an incredibly difficult spot to put the guy in. Yeah, agreed. Keep going. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of incredibly difficult spots to put someone in, uh, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar had a face-off this week on Raw. Uh, started with Heyman cutting another great Heyman promo. Not surprised. Uh, at all with that because that's just what we've come to expect from Paul Heyman uh, where it got interesting was Heyman you know did the stolen note from UFC fight already to Lesnar fight already towards the back fight uh, Strowman comes out on cue which was great that he was just standing there and ready to go as Heyman cut his promo um, but he comes out they have they, they mix it up a little bit uh, Brock hits a German and Strowman pops right up. That was great. Totally no-sold the German. Hats off to Lesnar. His reaction, his facials there were tremendous, really sold the whole thing. Uh, Strowman picks him up, choke slams because, you know, he took the big show out, so he gets to steal his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he hits him with the power slam and stands over him with his foot on him and holding up the belt, which I thought was a great visual. This was exactly how you end the go home episode before. Oh no, wait, wait, wait. next, next week's the go. Oh, wait, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And Lesnar's not booked for the go. That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Got it. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. It was, it seemed like it was a week early, but it, I thought it was done really well. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, Paul's promo was Paul's promo. You know, I, I don't always, uh, you know, find them as entertaining as everybody else does because a lot of it's the same thing. But I did, I did like the, you know, the whole fighter ready thing. I thought that was, that was really clever. Uh, I like the fact that Paul is always really good about just hauling ass as soon as somebody else comes out. Yeah. Um, I think he learned his lesson from Samoa Joe. And yeah, it, this was really good and it, it, it did a really good job of showing, um, you know, that's, uh, that Strowman can can take on Lesnar. My child is not happy. <laughs> this is I think this is a first in the history of the rundown. Uh, a child getting fed a bottle yeah. <laughs> on the rundown? Yeah, probably. A guest star. Uh, yeah. My child is guest star, but he's not a baby, so... That's true. Fair enough. Um, I do have a, a voicemail about this, but I'm having a little trouble getting it <laughs> to, <laughs> to be able to play it. So, oh, it's okay. We'll get to it. If we get to it, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. we get to it, yeah. Um, last thing on the main event on this week's Perfect Ten, uh, the finals of the May Young Classic took place last night. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday. So it was last night at the end of the SmackDown tapings. Of course, it was Kyrie Sane versus uh, Shayna Baszler. Uh, I thought that. Uh, did you see the match yet, Troy? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, did you follow the whole rest of the tournament? Are you caught, caught up, or did you just watch the final? I just watched the final. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought the match was great. 
I thought mm-hmm. it was old school booking. You know, she they they snuck in the little stuff about the ribs, and then ultimately that ended up being what came into play in the finals. Uh, Shayna looked great locking on her hold. That kick to the side of the head was fucking brutal. Uh, she locked in her submission hold. She wore Kyrie down. Kyrie's selling was phenomenal. Her facials were great. Uh, everything about this worked for me. Were there a couple of slips, maybe a, a mistake here or there? Sure, absolutely. But all in all, these girls did a tremendous job. And for, uh, well, not necessarily Kyrie, but for Shayna, probably her first time performing in front of a crowd of that size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought did a great job. Didn't seem rattled at all. A little bit surprised a bit that uh, we did not get any furtherment of the four horsemen, horsewomen versus four horsewomen angle. They made a big deal about Rousey being in the house. Oh, they um, made a big deal about Rousey on each one of these episodes is what I've been told. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's why even during this match, I was like, this is the Ronda Rousey classic <laughs> <laughs> because they just continue to show her throughout. And I get it. She's, she's the biggest name of anybody on the, on the program there, you know? Well, do we think um, Shayna Baszler makes it to the finals if she's not friends with Ronda Rousey, I guess? Uh, yeah, I had to kind of figure that that was the reason, although she's very deserving. She's very good. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought the right person won on this one because Kyrie obviously is a much more well-rounded, uh, you know, a wrestler. She's obviously got the more experience. shayna has got, got a little bit of ways to come on certain things, but she is, she is looking really good. And I, I look forward to seeing both of them on NXT very soon. Yeah. If I ever watch it again. And for those who didn't hear the, the update, apparently, uh, Triple H broke the news immediately following the May Young Classic final that uh, Kyrie Sane has now moved into a match at the next TakeOver in November uh, where she will be in a match to determine who the new NXT Women's Champion will be. Uh, we don't have many details about who else will be in that. The tapings uh, were scheduled for tonight, have been moved due to the hurricane to tomorrow night, so we'll have a probably a pretty clear, a much clearer picture after those tapings go down uh, and after they air, but... It's sort of, again, we talked about a little bit about it when there was rumor that they were going to put the belt into the tournament. You just kind of took this woman and said, you beat no NXT talents, but now we're going to put you into the finals for the NXT championship. And it just sort of seems like a hollow thing for everybody else, all the other ladies down in NXT. Yeah, at least at least this way, you know, she doesn't just granted it. She has to actually fight somebody for it. Now, however they're going to figure out who she's going to fight, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious it's probably going to be one of the iconic girls. But <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Ember, Ember's right up there. I was just thinking because I'm, I'm a – well, I mean, I guess. I We we don't really know if she's healer face yet. Um, I would just figure it would be one of those ones just, just so you can kind of save maybe a bigger match with her down the line to build a feud with it. But eh, we'll see. Maybe it could be Ruby Riot. Who knows? It could be anybody at this point. We'll see. I, I don't know if the NXT is going to hold their own tournament to determine who the other person is, if they're going to pick four women. We just don't know. Uh, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, it does tell us that we're going to be sitting for at least a couple months without a female champion down in NXT, or at least another, was it uh, two months till November, till the Survivor Series. Takeover. Well, I mean, you could you could have somebody win the belt, and then there's your challenger for Kyrie. I um, guess, yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. You could have a tournament, and a winner gets the title, and then has to face Kyrie. That's that's, I guess, an angle many of us hadn't considered. So hats off on that one because I didn't think of it that way. So yeah, we'll see. You know, but 
we've got a little bit of ways to go on that, and yeah, we, we're still waiting on on the on the tapings, anyways, because of the hurricanes. But no, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So that wraps baby, up. Baby. <laughs> so that wraps up the perfect ten <laughs> for this week. She's trying to steal my cards. <laughs> <laughs> That is, uh, I, yeah. I believe that is Troy's wife, Troy's baby telling us it's time to go to the news desk. And leading off the news desk this week, we have a little bit of injury news. Uh, Samoa Joe has been out of action since late August after suffering a knee injury during a match with John Cena at a WWE Live event. WWE had planned for him to wrestle Cena on Raw on August 28th, but the match was dropped. While a timetable for his return was originally set at four to six weeks, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, Joe is now slated to return to action at the end of October. Joe last wrestled on the post-SummerSlam edition of Raw on August 21st, and a former NXT champion partnered with The Miz in a losing effort to Cena and Roman Reigns. So, obviously, it's a tough break for Joe. He was in the middle of you know his first real big major push on the uh, main roster. I have a feeling when he comes back, he'll sort of pick up right where he left off, maybe even with a little more heat, because you know, absence tends to make the heart grow fonder sometimes. And if booked right on his return... I think there's a very real chance he could come back as even a bigger star than he went out before this injury. So hopefully we'll be seeing Joe back on television in the very near future. Uh, a guy we won't be seeing on WWE TV in the near future, as far as we could tell, uh, is Rey Mysterio. And there is currently no word on where Rey is headed, but we know it will not be Global Force Wrestling. Because according to PW Insider and the Wrestling Observer, Ray had an offer from GFW after negotiations between the two uh, after negotiations between the two sides, but he opted not to take the offer. Uh, it's been noted before that Ray was in talks with WWE over the summer, but those talks stopped as Vince McMahon did not want to work with Ray's representation, mainly Conan, among other reasons. It was also noted that while Ray and WWE were talking, the talks were said to be overblown in the first place, as Ray was actually looking at signing with GFW because of the easier schedule and because it would allow him more freedom to do other projects. When word first got out about Ray talking with WWE, Dave Meltzer was told that there was actually GFW Ray was, got, was talking with and that there was nothing significant to the WWE reports. While his in-ring future with a major company is up in the air, Mysterio is said to be focused on training his son Dominic and preparing him for a pro wrestling career. Ray is also heavily involved with the Crash promotion in Mexico, of course, run by Conan. Uh, GFW wanted Ray to wrestle against Alberto El Patron at the November 5th Bound for Glory pay-per-view, according to The Observer. It's been noted how Jarrett versus Patron was in the works for Bound for Glory, but he, it is likely off the books now that Jarrett is taking an indefinite leave of absence from the company. The Observer notes that the storyline would have had Alberto blaming Jarrett for his recent GFW suspension. Jarrett vs. Alberto was to be teased until they pulled a big swerve on the night of the show and had Jarrett introduce Ray as Alberto's opponent instead. When the talks with Ray fell through, plans changed back to Jarrett vs. Patron at Bound for Glory. There's still no word yet on what Alberto will be doing at Bound for Glory, if anything at all, although news broke late today that they did announce uh, Alberto would return to the company at Bound for Glory. Uh, on a related note, Ray suffered an ankle injury while working for the Catch Wrestling promotion in Australia. I'm sorry, Austria, during an eight-man simple single elimination tournament in four cities from August 30th through September 2nd. 
Ray defeated Alofa on August 30th and Apollo on September 1st to make it to the finals of the tournament. He then appeared in the finals on September 2nd in Vienna and apologized for the injury, promising to return to Vienna and make up for it. His opponent for that night, Joe Doring, then attacked him, but Ray made a quick comeback, hit a 6-1-9, and rolled him up for the win. Then went to the hospital after the match to get the ankle checked out, and while there was an injury, it was not serious, and he is expected back in the ring soon. The Observer noted that Ray suffered the injury because he he had been working several dates in recent weeks. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all it said. Apparently the Observer wrote that wrong. Uh, I think they meant to say that it's not known where he suffered the injury because he's worked several dates in recent weeks. Close enough. Uh, where Close would enough. you like to see Rey Mysterio end up? If you had, if you got to pick, GFW, WWE, stay in Lucha. If you're Rey, what would you do? Um, I would get the fuck away from GFW. <laughs> good, good idea. I would not want to see him back in WWE. Um, not only because of the fact that I'm pretty sure he's no longer a cruiserweight, uh, but also I was never a big Rey Mysterio fan. That's just me. But, um, you know, Lucha Underground is a good place for him. Um, or just going back to AAA. I don't know if he's going to go back to AAA. He's got a lot of ill feelings with the promotion as far as I understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of, kind of counts, you know, um, Lucha Underground out a little bit too because they have that kind of working relationship with them too. So. And of course, he's very tight with Conan who has a lot of problems with, uh, with AAA and Dario. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I would like to see him go. Uh, either that or retire. I done with it. Or another option. He could always go to hell. There you go. Speaking of hell, I'm going to put you through uh, two minutes and 17 seconds of hell because here's Sal's voicemail that we missed. Could have waited till after the news segment, man. <laughs> Maybe. 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 What's up, Ronda? Now, home. The fuck? Hold on. Did he have DJ Jazzy Jeff doing his fucking intro? Now, this week, we had the advocate himself, Paul Heyman, come out. And he introduced, he came out there with his client, Brock Lesnar, and he hyped him up, hyped him up, hyped up, and Brock was ready, Brock was ready for a fight. So much so that they called down his next challenger, Braun Strowman. And, uh, well, Strowman fucking beat his ass. Now, we saw that thread continue later on the show, where Strowman beat the bag out of Cena and left him for dead. But to do it against Brock, the Universal Champion, the man who Strowman will face at No Mercy, it's an interesting deal for me because I, I appreciate them showing Braun as a dominant force. I just... Uh, there's something been taken off of Brock Lesnar in the past couple months. Um, maybe it was originally in that feud with Samoa Joe, he just doesn't seem as dangerous as he used to be. And I think if there was ever a time that he's going to lose that belt, it's, it's going to be to Braun Strowman. I think they've found next big thing. I'm kind of an all-in-favor all for it. 
But I just find it very interesting the way Brock has been depicted the past couple months. And uh, I know that he was a beast at SummerSlam. You know, he came back being injured. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it that he got a 20-minute rest. You know, while everybody else was beating the shit out of each other. So it was a good segment, but it's very interesting that they are, you know, they are making Braun the be-all, end-all. So, if Lesnar retains, man, that shit's going to get old real quick. Other than that, hope you guys have a good show. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, well, it's a lot of what we touched on. Um, but it does actually segue not too bad into the next news story. Uh, as Paul Heyman has been causing controversy backstage by changing Brock Lesnar's segments to meet his own tastes, according to the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer. Uh, Heyman is said to have enough sway with Vince McMahon that he is able to change direction of promos in which his client is involved without being challenged. Despite the support of the chairman, Heyman's decisions are supposedly causing tension with people in management and creative team writers who believe that Lesnar would be more open to different ideas without his friend in his ear. Heyman, who has worked with the creative team in the past, does not officially hold any creative privileges in his current capacity with the WWE. Heyman does have a lot of pull with Vince, and the reality is most of the unique Lesnar creative, whether it's in the angles or match structures or finishes, are out of the box and for the better, Meltzer said. My belief is that the Joe program helped spark a business turnaround that led to an even stronger momentum the great four-way and, and with the great four-way and the Strowman program. Um, We've heard backstage, you know, Heyman's always been sort of a backstage politician, so this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, sort of surprised me a little bit that Vince is on board with it, though. I like the fact that they refer to to him as, like, his, his, as that, they refer to Brock Lesnar as Paul's client. The, Paul doesn't have anything to do with Brock Lesnar other than these are the segments I'm going to be in, though. So that's that's always kind of funny to me where they're just like he's not his real manager. They realize that, right? No, he actually is. He he is he is a, a I forget his exact title, but he is under the he does get a percentage of Lesnar. That's weird. No, it is it is an actual relationship business wise between the two of them. Oh well, either way. I'm done with Brock Lesnar, so. <laughs> uh, during a recent interview with El Arabia English, Finn Balor said that his fellow WWE superstar and Bullet Club alum- alumni, Carl Anderson, thought that the demon gimmick would flop when he proposed it in Japan, saying, quote, Honestly, the first time the demon came, and it wasn't referred to as the demon at that point, I just wanted to use body paint, Balor said. The first time I did that, I said to my best friend Carl Anderson that I'm going to do this thing. I explained to him what I was going to do, and he said, do not do that, you're going to be laughed out of the building. Obviously this didn't happen, that the whole demon character was designed for people to hate me more and to be scared of me, and it kind of backfired in the sense that people kind of like it now. Anderson responded to this on Twitter by admitting that he was, quote, completely wrong, saying friends can be honest with each other, that's a good thing. Uh, also, I uh, obviously completely wrong. So, uh, Carl Anderson, not necessarily the guy you want to go to for good advice on what will work and what will not. Considering that the way that they're currently booked, I would say that, that, that that's correct. 
Uh, now we get, and we talked a little about Enzo. We're going to get into some a little bit slightly more salacious stuff because last week on Raw, color commentator Corey Graves made a comment about Enzo Amore that seemed a bit on the personal side, as during the six-man tag match pitting Amore, Alexander, and Grand Metalik against Noam Dar, Tony Nese, and Drew Gulak, Graves said, "Quote: Enzo cheats on his taxes, cheats on his girlfriend, cheats in a tag match." End quote. Fans of Amore would know that he has or had been dating NXT star Liv Morgan. However, they haven't posted anything about their relationship on social media since May after semi-regularly doing so, which has led to speculation that they are no longer a couple. Cracks in the relationship began to show when Amore posted a photo of himself on what appeared to be a dinner date with actress Halle Berry, and then it was a reported encounter with a stripper in July. In a tweet on Saturday night, Morgan confirmed that she is single and hinted that Amore cheated on her when she tweeted... Me know, a picture of herself with the caption, me knowing that I'm single and nobody cheating on me. Morgan now has her eyes on Tyler Bate, as earlier in the day she responded to a tweet the first ever United Kingdom champion sent out in July promoting his t-shirt, saying, I like your shirt. Morgan retweeted his response of, I like your face. During a recent interview on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Big Hass was asked about the rumors of Amore having heat backstage saying, quote, Enzo is Enzo. The guy you see on TV is the guy you see in real life. Enzo wouldn't be in the spot he's in. He wouldn't have made it this far if he didn't act the way he does. So there's the good with the bad. Uh, he was also asked if he has distanced himself from Amore now that their characters have split apart. Quote, no, I don't think so. I don't think I've distanced myself from him. The storyline has kind of taken on its own thing. Once it started being talked about and people started talking about it on the Internet, then they're like, oh, really? People talk about it? Well, okay, if it's not real, let's pretend it is real and put more out there on TV. Um, I read that as Cass saying that the, the Enzo stuff is not as is being overblown on the Internet. Um, but if you're dating a girl who bears a striking resemblance to one of the hottest porn stars in history, uh, how do you screw that up? What the fuck is wrong with Liv Morgan's taste in men? <laughs> anyway, yeah. That, that is perhaps the more prevalent question. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think we all kind of know that Enzo seems like a little bit of a piece of shit. So him him cheating on Liv Morgan, not that surprising. Considering that one of the news stories that came out was like him bringing a bunch of girls backstage and stuff like that. Um, you know, he, he's always seemed like kind of a sleazeball, but he's a lovable sleazeball, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I've been saying it since we started, you know, this whole thing with Enzo that it's probably not as bad as it sounds. And I fully believe it because I, I don't think he's within inches of getting fired. I don't believe that everybody hates him. Like, like has been talked about, you know, um, because, we we know the WWE has no problem pulling guys off, even if they do if even if they do pop ratings a little bit. If they if they don't like them, they're getting rid of them. So, you know, they, I mean they they keep they keep using him predominantly in things, and they don't really need to. They could just strut him out there and have him face off against Kurt Hawkins this week or something like that. But instead, he's being pushed. You know, not only in the cruiserweight thing, but he also had a, a match with the Miz. You know, or or a segment with the Miz. So. Yeah, again, I don't think it's as as dire as everyone seems to think it is. Well, there are some that, that subscribe to the notion that they're they're running Enzo out there and making him act like an asshole now in public to kind of quell the merch sales, which makes it much more palatable to fire him. Um, I don't know 
if they're going to send a guy out there intentionally to sabotage him. But uh, it certainly wouldn't be the first time Vince McMahon did something questionable like that. Yeah, but he would just fire him. He would not send him out there to be like, I'm going to fuck with your merchandise sales. Quite the opposite. He would stop sending him out there and people would forget about him and merchandise sales would tank because he didn't stone Cienzo anymore anymore. So no, they would just fire him no, if they had no, a big, that no. big of enough problem. The only way they would fire him is if Vince's son beat him up and then he threatened yeah. to sue. Then Vince would fire him. That's very true. As we learned that this week. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley announced on Twitter this morning, or this week, I should say, that he is undergoing knee replacement surgery. Uh, Foley also announced that he will be appearing at WrestleCon during WrestleMania 34 weekend. Immediately following the surgery, Foley tweeted, Feeling good, feeling tired after the surgery, but I'm told it was a very successful operation. Thanks for all the well wishes, and we in the rundown would certainly like to send our well wishes along to the hardcore legend on his recovery. Or nothing. Nothing. I don't. It's 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 folly. Good for him. He got he got the surgery he needed. Wasn't he just taking bumps at some indie show a couple weeks like a week ago? He took the Joey Ryan dick flip. That seems like if you're gonna have knee surgery and just had a hip replacement, seems like an unnecessary risk. You think? A little bit. Uh, speaking of unnecessary risks, 205 Live star Jack Gallagher tied the knot earlier this week with European-based independent wrestler Ciara Alexis Rose Sinclair. So congratulations to the new couple on their nuptials. And, you know, again, we talked about 205 Live. Jack Gallagher with a bit of a heel turn this week on 205 Live out of nowhere. I didn't watch it. I didn't either. I well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I perused it because a couple of people... Who's, who's Jack Gallagher? Okay, well, I guess that doesn't... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, the guy who fought Neville a couple months back, does the sick headbutt, has Pull the umbrella, downs? has the umbrella. I, I don't know who that is. That would be the opinion. angle. Like, like Maurice pops out the kid, and we find out it's actually Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel's kid. That's the money angle right there. There you go. But, uh, can, I say, can I say something? Who stabbed Curtis Axel in the gut? Look at that! Look at that guy's stomach. He has a weird, like, line right on on his stomach, like somebody stabbed him there. Like an appendix scar kind of deal. It might be an appendix scar. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it seems different because it's on a big built dude. But yeah, it's very noticeable. I've never noticed it, and I noticed the Baron Corbin thing ahead of everybody else. So. All right, I'll I'll work on it for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this is sort of fitting way to end the news desk because we've had a run-in by a child, and we've talked a lot about kids between Maurice's pregnancy and all the other stuff. But uh, Christy Hemi is pregnant, and ladies and gentlemen, is expecting quadruplets. The former WWE diva and TNA knockout revealed the big news this week in a video posted on her YouTube channel saying, quote, So I am pregnant. Yay. Been trying for a long time. Very, very excited. But I'm just not pregnant with one baby, she said. I'm not pregnant with two babies or three babies. No, no, no. I am pregnant with quadruplets. Hemi, who is 15 weeks pregnant, said it's a high-risk pregnancy. Therefore, she plans to spend most of it in bed or in the hospital. She added, I am so excited, you guys. I'm, like, beyond excited. I am also scared and petrified and, oh, every emotion in the book. She was the winner of the WWE's inaugural Diva Search in 2004 with a prize of a one-year talent contract worth 250000 She stayed with WWE until December of 2005 and would join TNA uh, 
In April of 2006, she worked as a wrestler for a few years and stayed in as a ring announcer until last year. In January of 2015, she gave birth to her first child, a girl named Charlie Rose, which for those of you keeping score at home means she will have five children in her house very shortly, four of whom will be toddlers and infants at the Mm -hmm. same time. So I'm guessing she'll kill herself soon. (sighs) Well, that that took a dark turn. Um, Also... That badge is going to get fucking tore up. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. And ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for the news desk. And in lieu of a time travel Adam tweet, I am told that this week's Google voicemail transcript of Sal's call was a little bit entertaining. So I think we'll, this would be a good spot for us to have Troy give us the Google transcript call of uh, Sal's voicemail. I didn't realize we were doing that right now. Well, I didn't realize uh, we were doing on the voicemail earlier, and you sprung that shit on me. So that is true. Can you see what I'm talking about now? Huh? Yeah. You see it? Ah, uh, looks like an appendix guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. What's up, Rundown? It is, it's me. It is Sal calling this week. Talk to you about a segment that happened on Monday Night Raw. Now this week, we had the advocate himself, Paul, him, and come out. And we introduced to eat, come out there with client Brock Lesnar. And he hyped them up, typed them up, and have dumped and Broncos ready for, for ready for a fight. So much so that they called down his next challenge, our brand Strowman. And, well, Strowman fucking beat his ass. Now, we saw that Fred continue later on the show, where Strowman feet the bag out a scene, left him fitness. What to do it against Brock, the universal champion, the man who Strowman will face? It. No mercy. Interesting deal for me because I appreciate them showing drawn as a dominant force. I just, there's something been taken off of Brock Lesnar on the past couple of months. Maybe it was recently in that few with some of Joe. He just doesn't seem as dangerous as it used to be. And I think if there was ever a time that he's going to lose that belt, it's going to be too broad Strowman. I think they found next big thing. I'm kind of an old favor for it. And I just found it very interesting the way Brock has been to pick the past couple months. And I know that he was a beast at Summersville. M, you know it, came back with me and Engine. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it that he got a 20-minute rest. You know well, everybody else's be shit out of each other. <laughs> so it wasn't good segment, but it's very interesting that they are. You know they're making more on it. The be-all and also pleasantry, Manish... It's going to be old real quick. Other than that, hope you guys have a good show. I'll talk to you later. So, we had the grand return of the Fantasy Wrestling League on DropTheBelt.com. So grand that none of us knew it was actually live again. I forgot to tell everybody. I got a new job, and I've been a little busy. Uh... 
Now, Troy forgot to tell everybody we were live. Anyone want to guess who won the first week back? Now, we have the same <laughs> rosters as when we, lo- we last left off. And when we last left off, I had picked up Kitty Meow Meow Poot Poot Face, who retained her championship, as well as Biggie, who won a championship. And because of that, Troy wins. Uh, I believe this is my first win of the new Drop the Belt Fantasy League. So with that, I decided to have you create a women's tag team division using current WWE and NXT talent. Doesn't matter what show. I need you to give me your inaugural tag team women's champion and two teams that can challenge them. All right. For the sake of ease and, and, and history... You could obviously go for the champions being the Bella Twins. You know, they have the natural tie, and they, they make a perfect tag team, obviously, for many reasons. Um, so I, I guess I'll go there because it's just the easiest route. Um, you know, you could sit there and say Kyrie Sane and Asuka, but that seems a bit racist. So I'm not going to do bit. that. I won't do that. Uh, let's see. I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head here, but... Uh, does it have to be people who are currently in the company? No, that's fine. Okay, because I'm kind of down with this new Sarah Logan gimmick that they got, Crazy Mary Dobson kind of being the hillbilly, you know, chick from the backwoods that they got going on. And I mean, I, she's currently in the company, so I'm not sure why you purpose this. Well, because the person I would team her with is ODB. I think that would be uh, a great match. Yes, they would, they very would make much. for a great team. <clears throat> Um, obviously the iconic girls right up there too. Uh, they're already a team, but I would definitely put them together. Um, uh, let's see who else. Uh, top of my head. This is, do you, do you have any in mind in your head, Troy? Uh, Kyrie Sane and Bailey. So we oh, could do a double elbow drop as a finisher. That's interesting. I see. I would do Bailey and maybe Dakota Kai from the Mae Young Classic because they both have sort of that, you know, innocent look going on. Like they they would appeal to that younger crowd. Or um or team her up with Evie, who actually was recently signed as well. Uh, that uh, that is Dakota British. Kai, isn't that the name? I think that's the name. Oh, that might be. Yeah. Okay. Then we're on the same page. Yeah. I I I can't keep track of all the ones that they renamed. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think obviously it would require one of them to to do a, a, a heel turn, but I think that uh, Nikki Storm and Ruby Riot would be a really good team. They're both kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of, of kind of craziness. Um, otherwise, I mean, I think Rachel Evers and uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Tessa Blanchard would make a nice mm-hmm. team. Both kind They're of like a new. What's yeah. that? I think you 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 have them be led by Charlotte and have a new evolution, a they, female evolution. Yeah, you could do that too. That would work. Yeah. But they also have the you know, second generation thing they could tie in together. I think that would make for for a good team. Uh, anybody yeah. teaming with Tony Storm, I'd be happy because she's my new favorite. Uh, and she was on the Mae Young Classic final, so I'm hoping that's an indication that they have signed her because that would make me very happy. It, it does seem, I, I think, the Cruiserweight finals as well, other than, than Kota Ibushi, they had pretty much signed most of those people at that point, too. So. Well, actually, two of the final four they didn't because Sabre Jr. was in the final two. Oh, 
Well, I'm talking about like the the other preliminary matches on there, not not the actual tournament uh, stuff, but the other matches that were included on there. There was Drew Gulak was on there, you know, guys like that. So yeah, yeah that was the other so thing that surprised me a little bit with the May Young Classic final was that there was just that match. So it's just the final, no other matches. Usually there's like a showcase match of some people who were eliminated mm-hmm. early on. Just maybe because it was following SmackDown, they wanted to keep the crowd as hot as possible. They went right into it, but I found it a little weird that there was nothing, no buffer there. Right. Just Vince McMahon getting his ass kicked right into the ladies. <laughs> yep, pretty much. A little strange. Um, but if you have any suggestions for women you'd like to see in a tag team, and we're talking only about wrestling, guys, because I know how some of you are. Uh, please feel free to send it to rundownwrestling at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to read them on the show. Right on. Uh, I do know that uh, Jazzy Gabbert has now been signed on to WWE, yep. so I'm very happy about that. Cool. Um, as well as, looks like, well, we knew Nixon Noel, but she's injured. Yeah. Um, and Casey, Cataz- too. Yeah. Casey Catazano. Catazaro, sorry. Has also been been recently signed. Yes, and show. yeah, I think that's yeah, that's all that I, I can see here right now. But obviously, you know, we might be seeing someone, some of them coming up here very soon. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I guess with that, we'll head on over to the indie wrestling corner with a mic smash. Um. <laughs> All right. If you have a independent wrestling promotion that you would like talked about on the Rundown Wrestling podcast here, please email the show rundownwrestling at gmail dot com, and we will try to get your plugs in. If you are in the Wisconsin area this Friday at the Columbus Club of West Ellis, Brew City Wrestling presents Fall Frenzy. Bell time is 7.30, doors open at 6.45, tickets are $20 reserved, front row, $18 general admission at the door, and $16 pre-sale on BrewCityWrestling1.com. Tickets are on sale only until Friday at 1 p.m., so make sure that you get on there as soon as you can. Now, this show, I know, is going up on Thursday, so make sure that if you're listening to it, that you get on there and get your tickets now. After the show, you can join uh, the Brew City Wrestling stars at the Slurp and Burp Funhouse. We will have a meet and greet with the franchise Shane Douglas from 6.30 until 7 p.m. The cost is $10, plus his merchandise fees. Shane Douglas, I don't know how much he charges for merchandise, but it's probably too much. Tickets for meet and greet can be purchased when you arrive, though. Already booked. The Bruce City Wrestling Women's Champion, Evil Sierra, defends her championship belt against Tess Valentine. The Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship is on the line as Max Holiday takes on Tokyo Monster Kahagas. He is a member of Heathen. Bruce City Wrestling Tag Team Championship is also on the line as Hardcore Impact defend the belts against Jason's favorite tag team, the N-Words. Also booked, the Golden Goddess Lena Oro will take on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azur. And High Octane Onyx Andretti takes on AC Riley. And the main event, it's franchise versus franchise, as the franchise Shane Douglas takes on the BCW franchise Evil Dis. For more information, head on over to Twitter at BCW Fandemonium or at BCW1 or go to the website BrewCityWrestling1.com or find them on Facebook. And I want to send a big shout out to our boy uh, up there, the fabled one, Aesop Mitchell, who recently captured his first singles championship. 
in the Wisconsin oh, area. So congratulations to Aesop, uh, former guest of the Rundown Sit Down. Uh, and sit down on a current bit of a hiatus, which we'll hopefully be getting back to it soon. Just scheduling in real life have made it difficult to find the time to schedule stuff, but I'm going to work on it, and hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later. But certainly by the time I'm done coaching Little League this fall, we'll, we'll hopefully get some, some stuff back up there. Um, but speaking of getting stuff back in action, the <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the fact that Adam's contribution is two lines. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Atlantic Pro Wrestling returns with another great night of wrestling action on Saturday night, September 30th, with a 6.30 p.m. bell time at the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley in Salisbury, Massachusetts. The main event, the Gil Bonk Invitational 20-Man Wrestle Royal. Two participants start every 90 seconds. Another competitor enters the ring. Eliminations happen via pinfall submission or tossing someone over the top rope and both feet hitting the floor. The first 10 entries have been announced, and in no particular order, there will be a random draw that night. We have Dynamite Danny Miles, Robo the Punjabi Lion, the Unequaled One Todd Sopel, the Hampton Beach Bad Boy Hunter Ward, the Canadian Legend Matt Loudon, the Sheik Abdullah Hassan, the Concept Johnny Torres, Big Gun Jim Sargent, and both members of the Main State Posse, Danger Kid and Aiden Agro. Once again, that is Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Saturday night, September 30th at a 6.30 p.m. bell time in Salisbury, Massachusetts. For more information, search for Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook. And if you're up in that same area, I would encourage you to go visit our friends at Lucky Pro Wrestling as they also present Fall Frenzy. Saturday, October 14th from the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. For the first time ever, the LPW Tag Titles on the line in a last team standing match as the aristocrats Tomahawk and Zachary Pierre Ballou defend against the heavy hitters. This is the hitters' last chance to capture the gold in LPW. If they lose, they never get another shot at the title. The riot Kellen Thomas will take on Big Jim Anderson. Also, Big Brick Mastone will be defending the Hard Knocks Championship against Cam Zagami and the return of the fan favorite Halloween Battle Royal. Also, Davian will defend the LPW Women's Championship in a four-way dance against Delmi Exo, Adira, and Isana. Tyler Nitro will take on Machado, accompanied by Taylor Hendricks, in a National Pro Wrestling League showcase match. Uh, Liberty States Wrestling will return to the John McCarthy Elementary School on Saturday, October 21st. No matches yet announced, but keep an eye out to their Facebook event page. And, of course, you can continue to check for details here on the rundown. And just added to my schedule, uh, November 22nd, UFO Wrestling presents their pre-Thanksgiving tradition, Harvest Havoc. Once again, we return to the Tynan Community Center in East Boston, Massachusetts, and that is once again Wednesday, November 22nd, with a bell time of 7 p.m. No scheduled matches official yet, but we do have the first entrant to the Turkey Rumble will be Channing Thomas, who is a previous winner of that event. The Cool People will defend the UFO Wrestling Tag Team Championship for the first time since winning it. The Kingpin Brian Malonis will be in the house to defend the UFO Heavyweight Championship. The Castle Island Assassin will be there. And Sully Banger in the house. So definitely want to check that out. UFO Wrestling. You're in town to visit friends and go to family dinner on Thanksgiving. You're looking for something to do the night before. I encourage you. Visit us at the Tynan Community Center Wednesday, November 22nd, 7 p.m. for UFO Wrestling's Harvest Havoc. Liberty States returns to John McCarthy Elementary two days before my birthday. Huh. Well, there you if go. You'd like to send me, yeah, if you'd like to send me some birthday stuff, hit me up on Twitter at RockstarTroy. <laughs> and that does it for this or at least send them some nudes you know 
Yes, yes. Um, dick pics are welcome as well. That does it for the rundown for this Wednesday, Especially September 3rd, 2017. It has been 73 days since Sierra won the GFW Knockouts Championship. Uh, 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 and uh, it'll probably uh, be another uh, 73 uh, days until GFW uh, goes up. Um, um, yes. You get you, you get Bruce City Wrestling on the brain. It's actually Sienna that won the GFW Women's Championship. Is it really? Why did I write that? I, I think you have Sierra on the brain. You and some others. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I always have Sierra on the brain. Yes, Sienna. <laughs> it doesn't matter anyways. Is that, that It's not a real championship. <sighs> Wait, you're saying Sierra's championship is not a real championship? I'm saying Sierra's championship is a real championship. I've seen it. <laughs> I'm saying Sienna's championship is not a real championship because it's not a real company. But it's two championships in one. I guess. <laughs> I mean, is it though now? Like, what happens when GFW gets kicked out of Impact? Does she go with it? Or does she just revert back to the Impact Knockouts? Which is a weird term, championship. <laughs> it's not any worse than the Raw Women Champions. That is true. The Raw Dog Women's Champion. <laughs> Speaking of things getting raw, my fingers get really raw when I try to flip through books, and it's just, it's not great, man. So what I like to do, because I don't like to use my brain all that much, is I like to listen to books. And you can do that as well by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rundown for a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. As we said before, if you want to interact with the show now that we shut down the Smathers Lounge due to a rat infestation, follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Email the show hepatitis outbreak. (laughs) Email the show rundownwrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail like Sal did. 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. Yes, as soon as I figure out how to actually change the greeting... I will probably eventually do it. Uh, you can head on over to youtube.com slash podcast to look at all of our ugly mugs and old episodes, but you can on this one, motherfuckers. Or head on over to facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. I am going yes, to sir. attempt to post the audio file on the YouTube page. I don't know how well that's going to go, So, but if that's been your medium for consuming the show in the past, uh, I'm going to hope to try to figure out how to make that happen still. There you go. Ah. <sighs> You know something, Jason? What's that? I've had some problems lately. I've some problems in the bathroom. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I can relate. I think everybody can relate to that, Troy. We've all been there. But you know what? I happen to know of a uh, very special cure for that su- exact problem. What's that? <laughs> Well, I thought you were going to keep going. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, this this fucking back and forth doesn't work if you stop going back at me. Uh, I would direct you to go to tinyurl.com slash distant horizons and order yourself a copy of Chasing Distant Horizons because you will not only be chasing those distant horizons, but the poop will be chasing itself right out of your turd cutter before you know it. There we go. That sounds fantastic. And while you're sitting there in one hand reading Chasing and Distant Horizons, in the other hand on your phone, you can be heading on over to shadowvane.net. Or, to or, get or, more or, 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 if 
the author of Chasing Distant Horizons is willing to send, send Troy a copy. You could even listen to Chasing Distant Horizons on your Audible free trial while you, you are trying to take a shit. Yeah. See, we this, tied this... everything together in one nice, neat little package there. And he will never hear it. The Run Wrestling Podcast is a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. You can head on over to questendnetwork.com or at questendnetwork on Twitter or check out the other Questend Network shows that we have. Tuning Japanese, the Raw Attitude Podcast, the Slasher Sanitarium, which I do intend to revive as soon as I can find some time to breathe, Pwn Stars, New Blood Rising, and the words of geekdom. All of those are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Raw Attitude Podcast is on SoundCloud, although they're almost out of business, so maybe, you know, get an iPhone. <laughs> and of course, uh, we want sh- to uh, also encourage everyone to check out the other shows on the Rundown feed, including Troy's NXT Revisited series. I mentioned the Rundown sit-downs, hopefully returning soon. We have Adam's Nitromania podcast, and just debuting this week, and I know this because I helped produce it, WrestleMania Salvation, WrestleMania 1, as seen through the eyes of Rundown co-host Sal. Co-host is a strong term. (laughs) (laughs) Occasional co-host. Yeah. Infrequent Um, co-host. There you go. There you go. Make sure to check all those out. Yes, um, probably not going to be an NXT revisited this week because of the fact that we're recording the show on Wednesday. Because of the hurricane. Because of the hurricane. Yep. I'm just going to say, yep. No, there's there's nothing because of the hurricane. Um, other than that, check out our Discord channel. There's just a random K underneath that. I'm not sure what that is. Okay. Uh, go, go ahead and listen to our friends Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. You can find them at facebook.com slash the WPAN or wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, if you haven't already, and I don't know why you wouldn't because you're listening to this on your phone, you're not watching this on YouTube, Search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or Podomatic under the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And with that, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thank you, Troy. Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo. And thanks again to Jason for our new theme song. And thanks to nobody for watching us on YouTube, which allows us to do the show this way. It's much, much easier to put together. That's right. That's right. Next week, we bring you... No mercy predictions. And if we have three hosts, maybe we can play a game. If we can get three hosts. <laughs> it's always tricky. What is going on with my thing? Okay. All right. That's what Miz said, too. Next thing he knew, Maurice was pregnant. That's true. That is true. That is true. All right. Thanks again for listening. Tune in yet again to this feed for the next episode of the Ronda Wrestling Podcast. See you next Thursday? But not live, only on the podcasting app, because, yeah, that's Thursday at like 12.05. So it's, it's on that border of Thursday and Friday, but see, see you next Friday doesn't have the same connotation, so that's true. I'm going to say see you next Thursday. It counts, and because it counts, it counts. See ya! The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. The show is co-hosted by Jason Stewart and Troy Bozen. 
We are a proud charter member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all our shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast, and the New Blood Rising Podcast, plus articles, Twitch streams, and more at questanetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.